Joining us on the How Did You podcast today is Sean Rogers. You may know him as Spaceman. He's put his life and soul into lots of different esports. You may have seen him on Rocket League, Halo, even Call of Duty. Yeah. But how are you doing, Sean? I'm okay, man. I uh, I am here to talk about esports, which is always <laughs> that's always a plus. That's literally all I do any any time, all all day. So I'm I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm not doing too bad. Obviously, seven o'clock in the evening here. It's quite somewhat early for you, but how do you usually start your days? Ooh, that's a good, I mean, it depends on the, I think really it depends on the time of year because talent have a very different cycle than I think normal people. Like we live our lives in like these weird chunks of weekend spaces. So when people ask me, what do you know, what are you doing next week? I say, I need, I need like a chunk of dates. I need like what are you doing from the 12th to the 14th? I don't need, what are you doing at seven o'clock on Wednesday? So uh, usually my days are, if I'm working, I'm up early and then I'll try to get a run in, um, do some prep, do the show, do some review and stuff after. And then I'm in bed uh, by like two or three in the morning. But there are some days where I'm not, I'm not awake till like one in the afternoon because it just, it depends on the cycle. So my days are pretty boring, man. Like we work from home now, so I'm confined to my space. Uh, I try to get out and move and see the sun. But other than that, I just, I live in this bubble of just esports. So it's, it's not super exciting, man. Well, I, th- I think what people don't understand is the fact of how much actually goes in to a commentator's day. Like you say, you start yep. somewhat early, go on a run, and then you're finishing at what two, three in the morning. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it must get pretty tedious. But if you had to think about your favorite esport, I'm going to put you oh, on the spot. You, you, mean <laughs> we've only, person. We, we've only just met, but I'm going to be mean. <laughs> Halo, Rocket League, or COD. Uh, that's really that's really unfair. Uh, <laughs> I mean, favorite favorite's tough because I would say I would say favorite probably, and I'm gonna make so many of my bosses mad. Probably Call of Duty because I mean that's where I got my start uh, all those years ago, and uh, that's kind of that was one of the first. I mean, the first real esport I, I really saw briefly was Halo, but Call of Duty was the first one that kind of was like oh this is exactly what i want to do and it was the first one that i followed extensively so a call of duty is probably my favorite because it's been my home for so long um but but that's the thing every esport i do i they are my favorite and i i have to love what i do in the game so like halo it's my favorite game of all time halo 3 is my favorite game of all time so like doing halo has been like oh this is my favorite thing to do doing call of duty because it's my favorite esport it's my favorite thing to do doing rocket league because it's just started happening and uh, the game's taking off it's my favorite thing to do so even though call of duty is my answer i promise all my bosses that may or may not see this that i i love the game that i'm hired to do so please keep me because i want to pay rent so oh uh, yeah i'm uh i love it man back then you were more likely than not to be employed by major league gaming yes nowadays esports engine has taken over call of duty mm-hmm do you personally believe that this would be a positive impact for Call of Duty? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. I mean, anybody who knows anything about Esports Engine knows that the core of that group is, you know, Ethan and Adam uh, and and the 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 entirety of that show, and Carter as well. Like, there's there is not 
a person working in North American esports who hasn't in some way been impacted by what MLG did and the the core group of MLG that became EE that now is running COD is the same group that was running CWL for 10 years. So yeah, like when EE got back into the game, we're like, this is literally MLG and uh, and they're running the the very game that they helped keep alive for a decade. So yeah, I, I mean, as talent, as someone who, who got lucky enough to work with MLG at a point um, and got to experience what MLG did with Halo and then did with Gears of War uh, and then did with uh, Call of Duty. Yeah, dude, uh, this has been a huge blessing uh, for the scene, for sure. And I think, I think Activision is really happy that they have just a group that can be so dedicated to the game. And at this point, like, it's, it's easy when, like, you know, your bosses trust you. So they're like, we can trust EE to do the job we need them to do. And EE knows how to make a good product. So, uh, yeah, dude, uh, this is a really good time to be a COD fan, for sure. You speak about what it was like to be given a chance by MLG back in that time. Mm-hmm. But who was Sean when he was younger? Did he ever see himself becoming a Call of Duty Ooh. commentator or a Rocket League commentator or even a Halo commentator? Was that an aspiration that you had since you were a child? My biggest aspiration was to, like, have friends. So, you know, I was, I mean, I was the nerd. I was the nerdy kid in... God, how long ago was this? Uh, when I was in middle school, um, I, I say I want to say that I got my kind of esports exposure when I was a freshman in high school. So I think it, from then on, I knew that I wanted to do esports. So it's I'm in that weird position of like when people say, you know, how long ago did you start doing esports, or when did you realize that that's what you want to do? I'm like I was literally like 12 or 13. It's when I was like, oh, okay, you can like talk about video games and like that's a thing and i was like yeah, i want to do that um but i mean i was a normal kid besides that because esports was a focus as soon as i figured out that esports was a thing that's what i wanted to do but i had i understood at the time how to separate it from just like my normal life so um you know going to school and i played sports from the time i was like four till through college so i like baseball was a huge part of my life so i was playing baseball pretty competitively and didn't I was like I'm not going to, to the majors I could probably go to the minor leagues though um so I was playing baseball consistently through college um and you know outside of that and just having a normal life and stuff I mean that was all good and I had time to figure out what kind of degree I wanted to get what kind of field and academic stature I wanted to pursue and I did that um but yeah esports was the one thing that even with all of those things everything was in service towards the esports side so I was lucky but that I was, uh, I was so young and I was like, I want to do esports. Like that's a hundred billion percent. Yes, I don't do that. So uh... you speak about the academic path that you'd taken and mm. you speak about also the minor slash major baseball leagues. Sure. But let's obviously esports is all around us. So let's throw it back into esports and let's talk about the fact that you have a marketing degree. Mm-hmm. Challenges against kind of franchises. Who would you put personally from what you've seen in your commentating as the biggest threat or the biggest money matchup in a marketing way for challenges versus franchise? Ooh, if we're talking about like the best, the best uh, matchup to sell like a title card. Um, it's a good question. If we're looking, I would say if we were, if we were looking the last season, I'm going to use the end of last season for an example, just because this year we've had a bunch of different roster changes and players that were key 
got pulled up. And I think that this context works best as uh, let's let's pick both in their prime and let's see how they compare. If we look to last season, um, looking kind of at like what Elevate did in Europe, Elevate was one of the most consistent teams in Europe and you had big names. They got picked up like Hixie just got put uh, onto a CDL spot. Um, when you look at at people like Gizmo, who just got picked up in Europe, uh, and and they had some of their championship runs near the end of the year, you look at Gizmo, um, you look at look at Josh, and you look at Harry. Like there there were big names in Europe that I think Europe had a better team oriented game. I don't even think that's an argument. I and mean, we've had discussions for months about who's the better region, NA EU. NA was so heavily stacked individually. Um, where, you know, you, you look at like a Wester versus a pro team. I think that would have been really interesting where you had glow frosty and saints and prolude and Sparta at a time that were just like frying, but challengers to pro leagues, very different step. It's a very different step. Um, and NA was very individual heavy where EU was very team heavy. Um, so, you know, there, I think in terms of the conversation, I would have loved to have seen at the end of last year when champs was about to happen, I would have loved to have seen like. Atlanta phase because obviously we're like Toronto ultra versus uh, some of the better teams in NA, I would say uh, like the early stage Western team, the early stage Western team in the start of cold war was they were like 24 and zero and like scrims. Like they were slaughtering people. They just had a better read on the game early on. And they eventually made some roster changes and, you know, and venom bounced from team to team, but like challengers players, I think we've proven over the last couple of, months that challengers players can get picked and put into the league and they can do well uh i was saying for months that pred was he was my number one in the world but like pred could be number one number two and everybody should be like looking at pred but because he's in australia they think you know there's only eight teams so therefore the work that he does is diminished but what it shows is that players from australia and europe are obviously just as good as the North American kids. So this, so the fact that challengers is kind of blown up in that sense of bringing validity to the skill that a lot of these players have. If we were looking at a, at a title card matchup, I think like Atlanta phase versus elevate would have been really interesting. I think elevate would have got smoked, but it would have been fun to watch either way because Europe has a lot of good talent that, that didn't get recognized in the off season. So I think that's my answer, but I was a big fan of elevate last year. Um, and I think that, it would have been interesting to see them play a pro team like Toronto or Elevate or Phase, excuse me. During the off season, we've seen the rise of multiple uh, esports, mainly the HCS. Mm. Yeah, and you've had experience in working with the HCS and kind of yeah. surrounding Halo. Has there ever been an experience with Halo where you've gone, "Oh my god"? Mm. In a good way, yes. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, obviously, like, it's it's all been good. Like, and I think the Oh My God's more of, like, recently, because Halo has been kind of up and down. And I don't think that's controversial to say Halo has been in a, it's been, it's been, it's highs, highs, it's had its low lows, and now it's, it's getting back on that swing. Again, a lot of thanks to EE, but also huge thanks to 343 that's been listening and the, the competitive team that's been listening to what players want, what fans want. Um, I think my biggest, like, wow moment came... 2019 and the start of it in january we had a it was at the time when hcs was it was kind of in this weird like purgatory between we're almost ready to get back into things but not quite halo 5 had just kind of finished its competitive cycle so we were going to stay on halo 3 for like two years and then infinite was supposed to come out and halo 3 was one of the games that we were playing at that time and we had played a uh, an hcs event in st louis 
And it was in the early start of January. And we had like 230 teams there and all the pro teams, all the pro players, all the content creators in this massive venue in St. Louis. And I remember when we, the weekend that Saturday, it snowed and it snowed like three feet and it snowed in and we were stuck in the venue at like 8 a.m. Our call time's at 8 a.m. The players don't get there until after, but like, you know, you, you come out of the hotel and you walk like up half a mile, you get to the venue and we're sitting there and it's like 8 a.m., 9 a.m. All the stations are up. We see Halo 3 on this massive screen in the venue. Uh, and we're just like looking around at like old Xboxes and old TVs and like monitors. And we're like, we're, we're like, we're snowed in inside a venue on a Saturday morning and we're going to play Halo 3 all day. And I'm like, this is like that at that point I was like, yeah, I was like, wow, this is like the greatest thing of all time. Um, yeah, that would say that was the one where I was like, yeah, this, this hit for sure. But like the most recent event in Raleigh, like that was, it was MLG running Halo. Boom. That's it. And it was just like, yeah, you're sitting there like, wow, Halo's back. This is great. Um, but yeah, personally, that event for me in St. Louis was not only because I was working it, but it was just like, wow, like this is my childhood. We're inside playing Halo 3 and it's snowing. This is great. Uh, so yeah, that was fun. Let's talk about Rally. Obviously, it's kind of, it sounds silly to say, but it's put Halo finally back on the map. Oh, it did. Yeah, for sure. And we saw formal giant sentinels. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about that because obviously now he's hopping around a load of different teams and as a caster point of view that must have created some kind of storyline so like when they played optic and eliminated them and stuff like that how was that as a caster i loved it i mean luckily for that event i didn't have to worry too much about my my professional um input because i could kind of just sit back and watch and so like you know obviously there are times when casters are like you know in terms of storylines it's 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 sometimes harder to sell something than it is others, but for this instance, formal you know ditches SSG and he's like, hey, I'm gonna join Sentinels because of the whole Royal Two situation, and immediately going in, I'm like, this is gonna be the greatest thing of all time because one, it's formal, and and if you and if you're a fan of FPS on console, you probably know who formal is. Yeah. Um, two, with kind of the way that his Cold War year ended, we're like, does he still have it? Three, because he's teaming up with with friends of his for the team he was on and five the fact that he's a former halo champion so like it was all it was all perfect the way it came together then we're going into this event it's the first kickoff for the event and one of the biggest storylines is not that it's the kickoff it's the fact that formal is still on optic gaming but he's playing for sentinels with players that were formerly on optic and he's playing against optic at this point and we all wanted him to win like everybody wanted sentinels to win uh because we wanted formal to succeed So yeah, like I could just sit back and be like, this is like the greatest storyline ever and watching him play and then play really well. And, you know, he started struggling in the middle of the event Then they play optic and he starts popping off in the latter half of the series. And then game five, he goes demon, he goes demon mode. And we're just sitting there like, this is literally the greatest thing ever. Um, Yeah, dude, it was, it was awesome. And I think that those kinds of things only happen when the, when the event itself is worth watching and Raleigh was worth watching because you know, the production was great. The The open bracket was was like, it was like, you know, you're back at the MLG event for Call of Duty or Halo. The open bracket's thriving. You know, they have the right system for getting amateurs into the pro setting. And the team, the pro teams were just playing really, really good Halo in a really good game. So uh, yeah, that I mean, that whole thing was like, it was like a story, like it was literally written for that to happen. We're like, dude, this is, somebody started leaking the script of this event because this is great. Uh, but yeah, it was so much fun, man. 
I can completely understand that. And we focused a lot on Call of Duty. Now mm. we've made our way onto Holo. I guess, mm. in a way, arguably, it's like your career. Um, yeah. But then, most recently, you've been commentating Season 9, Season 10, and now even more Rocket League. Like you say, you got completely encompassed by esports. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now to have the opportunity to cast Call of Duty to Halo to Rocket League, how does that feel? <laughs> Rocket League's been really tough and not in a bad way. It's just, it's it's a very different game that I think a lot of people realize. Like you watch Rocket League and you think, okay, so you talk about the ball going back and forth and this and that. Um, and that is true, but there's like two different things you have to kind of pay attention to. Obviously, number one is the, the narrative of the where the ball is and how the players are in relation to it, which in and of itself is actually incredibly difficult because you don't want to sound like an idiot. So like, it's, it's a very different approach to commentary than I'd ever really been used to. Cause all I really did was shooters up until that point and some battle royales, but like shooters was like the main thing. So Rocket League was a different experience, but also you're, you're required to be able to read the game as it's happening. And it's, it's not like being able to read a hard point and understand where people are going to go. Like, you know, Players are making on a small field, players are making 30 or 40 decisions every minute that are not just in the moment. They are to be staggered out over a five minute period. So like, it's a lot of how quickly can you read what's happening and what's about to happen? And then can you weave that into your commentary to where it doesn't sound like you're just talking about, Oh, they did this and they did that. And that. so, yeah, I mean, you know, for call of duty, it's a game that I've been casting for a decade, but there's still that's hard in its own way because there's there's ways of polish that you're still getting even all these years later rocket league was probably one of the hardest games i've ever commentated and still working on it um and i tell people that i say like you know rocket league dude it's it's amazing but like i think people often underestimate how actually difficult it is to to talk about that game because there is so much that happens um but i mean that that game has been really really fun i kind of got trial by fire we got thrown into it right when COVID happened. So we, we started season nine and then we're learning and then COVID happens. We all get shut down. We, we go back home. And from there, it's like, okay, finish season nine, then right to RLCS for season 10. And instead of be kind of just trying to figure it out, it's like you have 14 show days every single month uh, for like six months go. Um, so we were like every weekend, we were just going and going and going. And so we really just kind of were like thrown into it um, and just figured it out from there. But yeah, dude, I... I love Rocket League. It's just been, it has been one of those games where I'm like, there are some days I'm sit back and I'm like, I swear I don't understand this game. And then you have to kind of reset, go back into it, um, and it, you figure it out. But yeah, it's been a, it's been one of those games that's very difficult. And I was surprised with how difficult it was to actually talk about it. So I love it though. I, I wouldn't trade it. It's great. You speak about how difficult things can be to talk about certain games, mm. but I'm going to be slightly mean again do if, it <laughs> bully me <laughs> if you had to if you had to be mean and kind of break up a caster duo and put yourself in with somebody else for oh. call of duty halo and rocket league who would Ooh. you put yourself with for each esport oh that's a that's a mean question um god all right People would, you know, you think you'd think that I would say like, oh, give me, give me Miles, give me in Rocket League, give me Jorby, give me Wave Punk in Halo, 
give me Puckett. Um, actually, I, I that is the exception. I would love to do Halo with Puckett because Puckett is Puckett. Puckett is like when I was when I was growing up, that was my guy. So like mm-hmm. when I saw him, I was like, that is the thing I want to do. So yes, uh, Puckett would for sure. But with all the years you've been doing, what I with, with all the years I've been doing this. Um, when you start kind of getting in your, in your specific role, like if you're doing play-by-play or color, you find that it's not just, I want to cast with someone that I've admired for years. It's I want to cast with someone who obviously I admire, but I know that if they're doing the other job, that our, our chemistry would work. So um, looking at Call of Duty, obviously I would love to have cast with like Courage and, 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 and Maven and Pocket at the time. But looking now, I think the only the only person i would split up which is even weird i think that just in terms of my own energy and the way i approach games and the way that i bounce off conversation wise um i think maybe me casting was study or you know i've worked with ali for i want to say three or four years now and you know getting to kind of teach her some of the ropes and get her caught up and, and bring her up to speed on stuff uh she was my analyst, I was play by play. So I've have, I have reps with her. So obviously, you know, I would, I would love to continue that, but it's weird. Cause I look at miles and chance and like, obviously I want to cast with chance at some point. Cause he's a guy, but I can't break them up because they, like, they're just, sometimes you just know your energy as a commentator. You just know what would work the best. Um, and yeah, I look at situations like that where I think casting with someone like study or alley, where like, we can have those those really quick conversations and having that same rhythm. Yeah, for Call of Duty, definitely. For for Halo, I already have my 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 king, uh, Clutch. I when we when we did HCS, um, and every time I've basically done HCS, I've gotten to work with him, and and I love the same thing. His energy and the way that we approach games, it's very easy for us to bounce off each other. I love working Halo with him because I love the play-by-play aspect of it and his analysis, not only his, has his analysis gotten just a billion times more polished in the past year. Like the dude is killing it. Um, but I love the way that he approaches analysis in conversation. And he does a very good job of like, just knowing how to continue to mold a conversation as the, the game's going on. So clutch for sure. Um, I would love to cast with Walshy because I think, I, I think I would break up, I would break up, uh, uh, Golden Boy and Walshy. I'm sorry, Alex. I would break him up because I love Walshy and he's he's awesome. Um, oh yeah, and re- while I'm here, I should always be a home wrecker. I'm breaking up Andy and Brav, uh, because I love. Did I say that right? Uh, I said Andy is Brav. I'm breaking up Onset and Bravo, uh, because I love them both. But uh, again, same thing with Bravo, where I like energy wise, I'm like I, I I love Andy as a person, and uh, I think we would do something really cool, but to answer this very long-winded response for rocket league uh i actually got lucky enough it's same thing i i would want to cast with wave but i know that like we do the same role and it's again it's a hard question but we actually had one of our rotations two weeks ago and we got it and i was working with stacks again who was like a brother but uh i saw on this caster sheet that we had like corelli and achieves and rocket league is unique because they like to switch up duos all the time and uh, and Corelli is one of the people where, as an analyst, in terms of the way that, again, he approaches the game, I'm like, I know I would work really, really well with you. So I texted my boss and I was like, hey, I see, I, I see that he's working with, with Achieves, but I want Corelli. I want him this weekend. I, will, I don't care what happens rather the week is. I want Corelli. So I got to work with Corelli and we, we did a really good job. 
Um, so yeah, in terms of breaking people up, it's tough because I think people think, oh, you just take the person that you like the most or the one you would want to do. But it's it's not that easy because even if it's a goal, like, you know, oh yeah, I'd love to cash with Puckett, but like, would we do as well as, obviously he'd do great, but like, it's it's not this, it's not just all puzzle pieces fit together. Everything works differently. So um, I don't even know if that answered your question. I apologize about that. But uh, yeah, dude, there's a, there's a lot of good talent. That's all I got. It's just a lot of good talent everywhere. So you mentioned your quote unquote king and yeah. how you've shown Ali the ropes and everything like that. But do you personally have a role model? Would it be someone that's left card, right? Say Matt from that's now gone to Overwatch. Mm. Would it be a uh, golden boy? Would it be oh, Bucket? Yeah. Who do you look up to in the esports scene on a personal level? Oh yeah. Uh, for sure. Um, in terms of like the, and I call them the old heads, not because they're old, but because of like, I was watching these guys when I was in high school and in college. So like, obviously I'm like, that's them. Um, Puckett for sure. He's always been, Puckett and Golden Boy have been like my number ones forever. Um, Puckett, because when I first saw him, that's when I made the connection that you can dress up in a suit and do this as a business and be connected to esports. And I was like, that is what I want to do. So Puckett, because of his, I mean, Puckett, I don't think people fully get how much Puckett influenced commentary wise, approach wise, and like esports wise. Like Puckett's like the Mount Rushmore of esports. And for sure. And 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 in terms of somebody I've looked up to personally and being able to interact with him and work with him at events and cast with him, which was wild. Um from what he paved with MLG and from what he did from a commentary perspective, Puckett for sure. Golden Boy, who's a very good friend, uh, in terms of you know a dude when I when I I had been on the scene, scene is a relative word. I had been involved in esports since 2012, but I didn't really start getting the waves that I wanted. I didn't start kind of coming to the forefront until I would say like 2018, um, and so by that point, people start to kind of know who you are. And the the Halo event I did in St. Louis was the first time I got to work with Golden Boy. And, you know, from that moment, he was very, like, super supportive, super kind, super eager and willing to help with stuff. Always been someone I could, like, text and be like, hey, man, I got a question or, like, advice or, you know, just whether it was the scope of esports or personal life or whatever it is. Golden Boy's in that same realm where I watched him commentating Cod and Black Ops 2. And I was like, this guy's awesome because when you look at people who are like role models in esports, you look at who are like the faces of esports. When you think of esports, like who is the face, who is the, the iconic person you could sell to a brand and be like, you want esports? This guy's esports. So pocket golden boy. Uh, and I mean, the, both of them are like premier. They're both incredible. Um, and as of recently, from the time that we met uh, in 2019, uh, miles has been a really, really dope dope person uh you know we met in black ops 4 when we both he was working with cwl i got brought on to do cwl work and he was super awesome um super nice and uh, like really down to earth like what you see on stream is what you get in person he is like that 24 7 uh and same thing with all of them like they're all super genuine down to earth and uh not only from like a mentor perspective but watching him gets me better at doing my job so uh, yeah, like if, if there's like a, a golden trinity, like if, if we're doing COD, Halo, and Rocket League, those are like my those are like my three like that consistently get me up there. But I have been really blessed to work with 
in all these esports to work with people, uh, you know, like Blaze and Wave Punk and Jorby and Corelli, uh, and and everybody, and Andy and Bravo and Lottie and everybody in between from all these years, like there's so many talented people in every single esport, um, and I love all of them. But so yeah, I mean, in terms of longevity, those three have been the ones for me where I'm like, that's my triangle of like esports Mount Rushmore, you know? So if I can make, if I can do, if I can make them, what's the word? Like, look at my work and be like, wow, he's doing a good job. Then I'm happy. I can die happy at that point. Like, I don't, I don't care what happens. If they're, if they're happy with what I'm doing, I'm, I'm fine. So. I can, I can completely understand why they are your top three, because yeah. I myself started watching Call of Duty Black Ops two time where mm. you'd have like your buckets, your fwiz, then obviously through being an intern came courage and everybody like mm-hmm. that. But Miles is a great guy, other than the fact that he leaked an episode recently. Um, <laughs> but if you had to envision where you would be in a year, mm. where do you see yourself? Ooh. Ooh. Uh, hopefully still employed. I'm gonna knock on wood real quick. But you hopefully. just had a phone call, so yeah, you know, just I'm I'm fingers crossed. Hopefully, um, very much so. Hopefully, in a in a, it's a you know, eh, it's a weird question. Just because like it, our lives are are so random and 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 just like you know, you could have a down a week or two weeks where nothing happens, and then the next week you're doing something completely wild that you never thought. So I would say in the year's time, I think. In terms of personal goals, I'd like to hit just kind of more of, I guess, the personal goals I set out for myself, which is more stability, uh, obviously, more production in in terms of uh, my own casting career and just being more productive and, and kind of just hitting some of those small goals I've set, whether it's with Call of Duty or Rocket League or Halo, staying consistent on myself and uh, making advancements in the, in those fields. Um, but really, at, at this point, yeah, it's it's from where I'm sitting and where I'm at in my career, uh, the only goal I really have in mind is again, continuing to improve on what I do and uh, to, to pr- be promoted in my respective field to specific positions and, you know, to show that I can do what I do. And uh, at that point, make enough money to pay the bills and keep the lights on. That's all it is. Like I, I'm very simple that way. So if I can, if I can continue to, to, move up in my field and pay my bills. I, that's all I really care about for the next year. So uh, that's, unfortunately, that's all I'm hoping for. But, um, oh yeah, get back to land too. Cause like we've been inside for like seven years. So that'd be nice if we could go back and hang with people. That'd be fun. So. Wait, you've been smashing it since it began really. And it's been nice to see you grow as a commentator because obviously throughout the time that I've been watching esports, I've seen your career grow and it really has grown. And I'm glad that it's been able to grow in a way that it has, like you say, it'd be great to go back onto LAN. It'd be great yeah. to hopefully, fingers crossed, see a lot more opportunities for the people of Challenges League. But if you had to give mm. someone, whether it be personal life or professional life, a bit of advice, what bit of advice would you give them? I would tell basically anyone to... Uh, I would say if you're, if you're, if you're making your moves in esports and, you know, in to anybody who's doing it, um, number one, keep esports. Like if you want to pursue careers in esports, um, 
invest in yourself heavy, like invest in what you do. Don't be afraid to cold call because that's one of the best ways to get jobs. But, uh, you know, stay realistic of where you're at. I think that's a big thing is people often put a lot of, of their time into ex- into expecting things to kind of turn around within a year's time, which doesn't really happen. And that's, that's life in general. Like, you know, sometimes things work out and you get exactly what you've been trying to figure out within a month or two, or you get it within a year. Um, but unless you were in my position where you knew like day one, what it was, what it was you wanted to do. And like, you know, you're like, okay, I'm from, from the time you're whatever till you're out of college, these are the years you have to figure it out unless you're in that spot. Cause at that point, just figure it out. Like that's, that is like a golden parachute. Um, if you're not on that point, obviously if you want to pursue, whether it's esports or something in general, like I, I tell people all the time, understand what inherently it is that your ladder will be. And your ladder is the obstacles in front of you that only you will really face. So again, some people will have overnight success. Some people will have, they'll take them a year or two and they're exactly where they want to be for others like myself my ladder was these are the barriers to entry and these are the things you're going to have to figure out. And you kind of know immediately what will be in front of you when you try to figure it out. So uh, be willing to fail, but if you can fail forwards, you're going to be better off than you were if you gave up. So, uh, you know, like there were 30 billion or so obstacles that I had to figure out before I could get to kind of where I was, but I was always even if you run into the obstacle head on, you fall over. If you're falling over forward, you don't, you don't have to worry about that obstacle anymore and you can just keep it going. So uh, yeah, like give yourself time to figure it out. Uh, invest in yourself for sure. And don't, if it's something you truly want to do, don't quit at the first sign of trouble. Like if, if you truly want to do something, you have to be willing to, to fail and you have to be willing to use that to, realize that one, one failure down means there's one less to go. So, um, yeah, I, I've seen a lot of people quit, whether it's professional careers or academic careers or esports careers. I've seen a lot of people give up on stuff after like the first couple of, of attempts or the first couple of things when I think that they should be doing it and they, they quit because it's too hard. And, uh, you know, it's frustrating because you don't want to see someone like give up like that. So I would say just, Trust in yourself that trust in yourself to fail, which is a weird thing to say, but like if you're failing, it means that not only you're not giving up, but you're doing more than what somebody else would be doing and you're getting it out of the way. So if you can trust yourself to fail in that weird way, you'll be fine. So I think that's my advice. It's just like, you know, understand your road and don't be afraid to like hold an L because we all hold an L from time to time. So, you know, figure it out.